This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to TBN's Praise Podcast, hosted by Matt and Lori Crouch, where you will hear interviews with some of your favorite Bible teachers, pastors, authors, and Christian leaders. On today's show, Matt and Lori Crouch host best-selling author and pastor Samuel Rodriguez. They discuss seven biblical principles to keep you on the path to your destiny as you go from surviving to thriving. If you want to live a holy, healed, happy, humble, hungry, and honoring life, then you must not just survive, you must thrive. Sam Rodriguez, what are we talking about today and how do we do this? Thank you for having me. Love you guys. Thank Thank you. I just lived the most interesting chapter of my life with my family. Uh, we went through the COVID journey, okay. the yes. desert, Got the it. pit, yes. the threshing floor, any other <laughs> colloquialisms we could apply here or metaphors, you. we were there. My daughter ended up in ICU. And that served as the primary impetus behind this book, okay. an experience of survive to thrive. She's thriving now. So that's the end of the story. Uh, but we went through a journey. It's about removing the lid. We all have lids. There's a lid on your destiny, on your purpose. The question is, do you have the cognitive bandwidth and the spiritual maturity to acknowledge the fact that there may be a lid on your family, on your journey, on your faith? How do you remove the lid? Every single person right now watching this program is either failing, surviving, or thriving. You are living in one of these three respective categories. Every single human being on the planet right now is either failing, surviving, or thriving. If I were to engage a biblical metaphor, every single person is either in Egypt, the desert, or the promised land. Okay. Very few people here on this side of eternity ever thrive. This is not about eternal salvation. That's through Christ. Amen. But horizontally, they never enter the promised land. Why? They live in perpetual survival mode because they live with the mindset that it's okay just to be okay in perpetuity. That survival is good enough because we're going to heaven, praise the Lord, hallelujah, <laughs> and pass the ammunition. Christ is coming today. And that's Again, we're saved, and, and it's beautiful. The vicarious atoning work of Jesus, there's no greater gift than eternal life, new life, but there's abundant life. Right. And all we land on is eternal life, John 3, 16. New life, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, but we totally neglect that Jesus came to give us life and life abundantly. That's thriving life in the Greek exegetic expansion. And we don't get there. We permit lids. And all we do is live in a perpetual survival mode. This book is a biblical prescription, completely biblically substantiated, how to remove the lid. And it's simple. Live a holy, healed, healthy, happy, humble, hungry, honoring life. If you live this kind of life, I show you through scripture, you are guaranteed to thrive. Is that because people put that everlasting abundant life after they die. It's all Mm. about that. It's about a myopic, I would say a theologically skewed way of thinking. It's not good scripture interpretation. Matter of fact, it's not applicable. Abundant life in John 10, 10 is not just referencing eternity. The enemy came to rob, kill and destroy. And Jesus said, that's the first part of John 10, 10. But I have come to give you life 
and life abundantly, to give you an abundant life. That word in the Greek is not post facto. It's not, Jesus would have been specific. And when you die, when you die in me, you will have abundant life. No, that's here and forevermore. As he is, so are we in At, this life. The whole dying kingdom come, that will be done on earth now in this chapter, yeah. as it is in heaven. There is this, and I get it. Eternity is eternity. That's a long time, eternity. <laughs> and I, I get that. But on this side of eternity, what should people look like? What should believers look like? Right. Defeated individuals? Um, alienated, full of anxiety and angst, consternation, fear? No. We are supposed to be the most unbelievably effective, successful, triumphant, glorious people on the planet. It doesn't negate the fact that there are challenges. There are struggles. There is warfare. Uh, there are sicknesses. You name it. There's a bunch of things that comes our way. However, we came to give us abundant life. Everything we need to overcome, any circumstance, it's already inside of us through precious Holy Spirit. So we have that. Again, people just, they accept survival mode, barely making it. They accept going around in a desert for 40 years because there's manna in the desert. Hmm. So you get fed. There's water coming out of a rock. So you don't really thirst. But here you are and you never truly make it. And that's why for, for multiple generations, our children and our children's children live with a lid. The moment we thrive, this is critical, your children will no longer inherit your sins, your children will inherit your blessings. Wow. Okay, so from good. survive to thrive, we wanna thrive. That seems like a tall order, but I think we, we need to touch on something from your own book, okay? I'm gonna to turn to page 175. This caught my attention as I was uh, kind of looking through the book. The Truth About Lies. Very provocative title, by the way. I like that. The Truth About Lies. Um, head down that direction. A lot of people believe lies. Bad things happen. Jesus said, you'll know the truth. The truth will make you free. The transverse of that, you don't know the truth and you aren't made free. Okay. Talk about the truth of lies. I, we as believers, we do a great job. I do, I do believe we do a formidable job. The word great may be a little bit of hyperbole. We do a formidable, adequate job in disseminating truth. Okay. We have more platforms now than ever before. How many postings on Facebook and Instagram? Can, how many reels now and TikTok about Christ and little videos? Everyone is a video producing content delivering individual now. We're as doing that right now as we're sitting here. Absolutely. <laughs> and right. it's great. And praise the Lord. It's wonderful. We do a terrible job in confronting and bringing down the lies. Mm -hmm. Let me give you a biblical story to substantiate this. In Judges chapter six, Gideon finds himself in a wine press threshing wheat, doing the right thing in the wrong place, which is pretty cool to me. <laughs> uh, in wine press, you don't thresh wheat in a wine press. You do it above ground, preferably on a cliffside where the wind can separate the wheat and the shaft. But he is doing this, right? The angel of the Lord shows up and says, you're a mighty hero. Pretty cool, you're a mighty hero. Because the guy never gave up on his harvest. He was doing the right thing in the wrong season. You're doing the right thing in COVID. You're doing the right thing with you know angst and political discord and so many things happening in your family. You continue to do the right thing. And the Lord says, you're a mighty hero. Wow. Uh, I love that. Mm -hmm. So it's not a condemning narrative. It's pretty affirming, even though it's not gonna work for you, sunshine. However, <laughs> you're, you're a rock star. Isn't that cool? I mean, heaven comes out and says, you're a rock star. Not gonna work, but I love your heart. Yeah. You're a rock star. 
And then he comes out of that experience, he's defined by heaven, and he builds an altar, calls it Shalom, Judges 6, and then he tears one down, his father's altar, which was full of lies. It represented the lie of Baal and of the Midianite captivity. So his father, Joash, built an altar for the false god in order to acquiesce. Appease, yeah. Appease, right? Mm -hmm. The governmental authorities of his time, the culture of his time. And we as Christians, we do great. I mean, we are amazing in building altars. We do a terrible job in bringing down the altars that were constructed by previous generations mm -hmm. that are full of deception or lies. I don't want to get in trouble here. Help me, Lord. Even in the church, we have to bring down some ideas that maybe were not constructed with evil or malice, with good intention. However, these altars do not line up with truth. They are not John 8.32, John 8.36, 2 Corinthians 3.17, John 17.17, 17, sanctify them with the truth. And we need to sanctify, we need the Spirit of God, and we need to be facilitators of a sanctification process where we confront even lies in the church. Mm -hmm. And some of these lies are now lids. Here, be careful. Wow. Mm -hmm. Lies become lids. Mm -hmm. And there's a lid upon sectors of Christendom who don't care to live in this time, on this side of eternity, thriving. Thriving. Because there's a lid that says, we're about to get out of here in such a fast way. Oh, Christ, and I do believe Christ is coming. Of course I do. However, in the meantime, I am not gonna live as a failure. I'm not just not gonna survive, I need to thrive. But we live under a lid that stems from a worldview of escapism. Mm -hmm. We just wanna get out of here. Yeah. I want to get out of here. I want to get out. I want to get out. Get me out. Get me out. Get me out. And I get it. The world is not my home. I get it. And I sing the songs. But the Bible talks about us being the head and not the tail. Right. About being light in the midst of darkness. Right. So there are lies that we have to bring down, not just outside in the culture, but even some, some lies that are now lids in the church. I want to make sure I understand what you're saying. Um, first of all, it was a terrible Southern accent that you did there. That's just, my Alabama Puerto Rican yeah, accent. It was, it was terrible. <laughs> that didn't work out for y'all. Yeah, no, didn't work. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, secondly, um, I want to make sure I understand something. You're talking about Samuel that we Christians are good at building altars. Yeah. We have tons of churches. We have tons of ministries. We have feeding programs. We have television networks. We have Facebook posts, and, and we, we're good at disseminating uh, and, in essence, using the biblical metaphor, building an altar. But the reason Gideon is who he is and written about in the Bible is not only did he build an altar, it's but he, he was down. tearing down some things. It's what he tore down that made him famous. I okay. could prove it. Please continue. Judges 6.29. The people of the village come out and ask the following query. Who did this? Yep. They were not asking who built the altar. Hmm. They were inquiring on who brought down the altar that existed there for so many years, constructed for Baal's worship. The mo if the church really wants to get recognized, it's, it's, and God bless, again, God bless all the churches we're building, I'm building churches, so I get it. All the ministry platforms, they are beautiful. The church will never get the world's attention until we dare bring down the lies. There you go. It's not what we build, it's what we bring down because our children will walk upon the ruins of what we bring down in our generation. Lies, lies. tearing down the lies, lies. the misinformation. Yes. The, yes. Fake okay. news, if you don't, Fake, whatever, yeah. whatever it may be, yes. Exactly. 
Give us a few examples of what you're talking about here. I reference one one lie, or and again, not every lie comes from a malice, deceitful, evil spirit. In the church, the lie of we don't have we, you can live like hell mm-hmm. here on earth mm-hmm. as long as you get to heaven. Mm-hmm. Again, you can't you can't preach heaven and look like hell. Right. And and there has to be an alignment. We all go through a system. We all go through a process. But it is the will of God for you to come out of your pit, just like Gideon. It's the will of God for you to come out of your wine press. It, it's the will of God for you to come out. And that's why the heaven confronted Gideon and said, you're a, you're a rock star. You're a mighty hero. Another version reads, you're a mighty warrior. Go with the strength you have, not with what you will receive. You have what you need to come out of your now and step into your next. And go defeat the Midianite marauders and lead your people into the next chapter. Thriving, brilliant. That's one lie. There are current lies out there. There is a lie right now popular because of this current season that we're living in. And the lie is that people should attend churches where the other members voted just like them. That's a lie. Wow. That's a lie. Let me just say it. I'll get in trouble. You're going to get some hate email. That's a lie from the pit of hell. If you hear anybody tell you that you should only attend a church where people just that vote exactly like you, listen, God bless the people that ran for the highest office in our land, but none of them died on the cross or resurrected or shed their blood for me or for my family or for your family. And again, we can't let our political affiliation cancel our prophetic assignment. Let me repeat that. Do not permit your political affiliation to cancel your prophetic assignment. We're not redeemed by the donkey or the elephant. We're redeemed by the lamb who is the lion of the tribe of Judah. And if you're covered by the blood of Jesus, then that person, you and that person can worship together and exalt Christ. That's another lie. There's lies about uh, human sexuality and truth and mathematics and gender. There's lies. And our children are listening to lies that if you are born a certain color, somehow there's a default. So if you're born, for example, if you're born white, you're automatically a racist. Mm -hmm. That's a lie from the pit of hell. If you're born black, you're automatically this. That's a lie from the, I was born camera macchiato. What does that make me, coffee? (laughs) I mean, get serious. If you were born black, it's because God ordained you to be born black and you're beautiful. If you were born white, God ordained you to be born. It was predestined and you're beautiful. And if you're caramel macchiato, you're beautiful coffee, baby. (laughs) You're beautiful. If you were born a man, you are a man. Do not, you're born a woman, you're a woman. Do not try to reconstruct what God already designed. You are beautifully woven together. Yes. And I love that. Woven together, the psalmist declared, I am wonderfully made, knitted together in my mother's womb. Jeremiah chapter one, he knew you before you were in that womb. So these are all lies out there. Okay. Lies. So I could just go down the list. You you have now clarified what you, you're talking about kind of inside of the social world, inside of the church, there can be things that are there also. There I, I'm, I'm for some reason remembering our dear friend who's in heaven today is uh, Kim Clement. Yes. And he used to coin, he coined a, f- a phrase called Armageddon out of here. Yes. Okay. And that there has been streams yeah. inside Christianity even that basically, you know, in essence say the world's going to get super dark and angry and horrible and we should withdraw and get into our basement with baked beans and extra food 
and that what that's kind of, just the way it's going to be. What kind of big beans? Well, I mean, Goya, I okay, think. Goya. Is the Goya. Goya. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. I'm high-fiving you. This is for doing it. Yeah. <laughs> it's brilliant. So, uh, so basically, what I, what, what I have in essence grown up around is the idea that, you know, part of, part of the world of, of sitting here and interviewing a, a zillion different people. And then I was in the director's booth when my parents were interviewing a zillion people, you know, you hear all sorts of things. There's some people that would be called, I think, you know, I think the category is dispensationalist. And, and then there's some that are labeled some other, you know, yep. kind of a group. And some people think we should get on the seven mountains of influence and, and start owning things and building things. And there's some that you just don't see it that way. So are those the internal church altars that some people are building that maybe we should really reassess it we in do our need generation? To reassess. And, and, and all joking aside, because of the I want to get out of here mindset, again, not, we are all agreeing with scripture. Come Lord Jesus, come. Is Christ coming? Absolutely, yes. However, we were wrong. Let me state that explicitly. We were wrong for a hundred years, over a hundred years, over a hundred years, not for a thousand years. We were wrong since the late 1800s to write about this generation. We live in a myopic theological interpretive world of escapism where it was, get me out of here. Let me tell you what the new Christian generation is saying. Not get me out of here. Let's go change the world. Yeah. Okay. Let's replace Let's get out of here with, let's go change the world. Yeah. It doesn't negate that Christ is coming. No, it doesn't negate, come Lord Jesus, come. In the meantime, baby, let's go change the world. Yeah. Jesus, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed thine kingdom come, thine will be done. Not when we get up there. On earth, we want to see the kingdom of God advancing. Yes. Jesus spoke more about the kingdom than he did about the church. We need to advance the kingdom of heaven. Why did we abandon Hollywood? <laughs> what Charlie Chaplin was a believer. The many of the great actors of the 1920s were believers, and they would attend. And they would attend Amy Stanley McPherson's church. Why was there this incredible explosion in Hollywood back in the 1920s that that just went away because we abandoned Hollywood, we abandoned government, we abandoned every single major pillar of society and culture, communication, everything. We left everything behind. Talking about left behind. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we left everything behind. We literally left everything behind. Yes, left behind. We left culture behind. Government, communication, media, technology, science, mathematics. We left everything behind. And now we have a generation growing up in a world full of moral relativism, cultural decadence, spiritual apathy, ecclesiastical lukewarmness, because we left everything behind. Because we're coming out of here. Okay. True. Let's I, I wanna, go change the world. Yes. That should be the new mantra. Let's go change the world. In Jesus, for the glory of the risen Christ, go change the world. We hope you're enjoying the Praise Podcast. We'll get back to the interview soon. We want to talk about thriving, okay? We don't want to survive. <laughs> okay, so basically, Sam Rodriguez... Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I believe what you've done now is you've given an example that there are lies that we could con we need to confront. Gender, 
mix up is a lie. It's a lie. Okay, uh, you know, we'll use that one as an example. The worship of race. Yeah, okay. it's a lie. It is a lie. Okay. Right. Then inside the church, there may yes. be theologies that yes. that are, you know, basically needing to be reassessed and all that kind. Okay, all right. But for the person, okay, we're talking big concepts here. Let's zero in on a person. The lid that the 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 lie that becomes a lid on top of somebody or someone's family uh you break that down beautifully you mention in your book that basically lies become lids yes and so people don't know the truth and aren't made free go from that using that as a lens start cracking off the tupperware lids and let's start getting people thriving in their minds. How do we do that? It begins with definition. Okay. It begins with identity. Identity clarification. The primary lie that is a lid is when we don't know who we are. Okay. It seems like we know who we are. I'm Sam Rodriguez. I live in California, originally from Pennsylvania, with an Alabama Puerto Rican accent. So, ah, you know, a bad, a, a a bad, bad Alabama, <laughs> Alabama Puerto Rican accent. But that's not good. Yeah. No, but you know who you are. When you don't know who you are, it's called identity moratorium. And the enemy, in his very deceptive schemes, his objective is to confuse you regarding your identity. It's, that's why Gideon, again, back to the story. The first thing the angel of the Lord tells them is, you are, not you will be. Mm -hmm. Wow. He's speaking to a man in a wine press, threshing wheat, doing the right thing in the wrong place, hiding from the Midianite marauders. And he looks at him, instead of you fearful coward, <laughs> right? And that would be a descriptor in alignment with his reality. Right. But no, he's very prophetic. Heaven will never condemn you. Heaven looks at you and says, let me tell you what I see you as. Yes. Beautiful. You're a mighty warrior. You're a rock Beautiful. star. Yeah. The guy's hiding. Yeah. Threshing wheat though, not letting go of his harvest. And it begins with definition. Pushing back on, you're full of fear. You're a victim. You're a perpetual victim. It begins with identity. And what, what, there are lies in certain groups that would love to keep us in a perpetual victimization mindset. Okay. They tell us you are a victim because this is what happened 100 years ago, 200 years ago, 300, 500 years ago. 50 years ago, 20 years ago in your family's life, you're a victim, you're a victim, you're a victim. And the moment we drink the victim Kool-Aid, wow. there's a lid, that's a lie. You can't be both a victim and more than a conqueror. Right. Mm. Is it Romans 8.37 or isn't it? Right. Which one is it? Right. And don't give me your line of, culturally I'm a victim, but spiritually I'm a conqueror. Mm. Stop creating a dichotomy. You are who you are. Mm. The fullness of you in the fullness of Christ. Christ is all that matters. If you're full of Jesus, then he defines you. So there's a lie regarding definition. Even not just definition, purpose. What's your purpose on this planet? It's not to occupy space. You're not a styrofoam cup. Mm. Your purpose is to do something amazing for God. Your children, there's a, there's a lid on, on multi-generational realities. All of this has to be addressed and there's a prescription for it. If you live a holy, healed, healthy, happy, humble, hungry, honoring life, there will be no lid. Let me repeat the seven H's, like a caffeinated person. <laughs> holy, healed, healthy, happy, humble, hungry, honoring. Let me slow it down. Holy, healed, healthy, happy, humble, hungry, honoring person. The word holiness there is not a legalistic, law-exclusive application of the term. It is 1 Peter 1.16. The beauty of God's holiness that comes through the grace-filled work of Jesus. There you go. 
It's not what you do that makes you holy. It's who he is yeah. that makes you holy. Beautiful. If he lives inside of you and you are 1 Corinthians 3.16, temple of his Holy Spirit, automatically, that means you are, theologically speaking, positional holiness. Yes, you are to pursue righteousness, holiness, but because you're already holy in him. Mm-hmm. So it's that. The moment that lid comes off you, then you're, 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 every single day you live pursuing the will of God, the word of God, and the way of God. Holy healed. That's mental, financial, emotional, relational healing. Mm-hmm. I discovered, Madeline, this thing about healing, I had to be healed. I, I went through experiences in my life. And even in the forming of this organization that I, we lead now, the formative years were tough. We got backlash. Whenever you want to bring people together, the haters will, will come sure. up. And I got attacked, not from outside, but from inside. Mm-hmm. So even from the church, the church. <laughs> so be, members of the church. Family. So yeah, praise the Lord. Um, so we, we got hit. And what I learned from the Lord is, Sam, you're, you're asking me for overflow. This is God speaking to Sam Rodriguez. Yes, Lord, I'm asking you for overflow. Are you sure you're asking me for overflow? Sam, if I give you overflow, do you mind if I bless your enemies through your overflow? Mm. Oh, wow. Blew me away. I go, hold, stop. Mm. You mean judge my enemies? No, 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 no. Do you mind if when your cup runneth over, Mm. if it runs over and it impacts the people that came against you? Mm. The moment you no longer care or you Mm. don't mind, how about this, Sam? The moment you actually ask for your overflow to become a blessing to even those that came against you, then I'll give you overflow. Until then, stop asking. Wow. My goodness. I had to reach a place where I no longer cared. Matter of fact, beyond not just caring, I actually asked God, bless my enemies with my overflow. Mm. Bless me enough that my enemies get blessed with my blessings. Mm. And then I experience overflow. Wow. See, that's healing. Yeah. You're healed in such a way that you're like, it's Or the lid that got put on you would have been victim. In perpetuity. I, yeah. I am a victim. Something bad happened to me. They did me wrong. They did me wrong. Yeah. And so you can't be both. You get, you have to pick. No, you have to pick. I, I went to South Africa and I, I spent some time at Boss Off, uh, CRC Dream Week, great conference I, and great pastor in South Africa. And I went to a reserve. They had lions here and hyenas there. George Hicks was there, my travel assistant. Y'all know George. And we were together. I, I had a question because there was this pristine looking lion here, beautiful. It looked like Lion King. In the jungle. The... No, we're not going to do that. No, it's too much. No. No. Okay. Go ahead. All right. All right. So anyway, we, we, beautiful lion. And there was this jacked up, this combobulated, scarred up lion here. Mm-hmm. Older scar. lion, right? Okay. So scarred. Yes. But no, no, it was the scarred up lion. <laughs> so I asked George, George, that's a good pastor would do with his travel assistant. I'm not, I don't dare to ask. You ask the guy, right? The tour guy. George, ask him about the hyena's relationship with the hyenas were over here in a cage and with, with a fence dividing them. So um, which, which one, you know, how do they work, the dynamics here? And the guy interrupted, heard us and said, don't even ask. The hyenas, if the lion is alone, of course, never in a pride, that's a message that'll preach all by itself. Right. The hyenas will attack the lion that's pristine and perfect, but will not even dare come close to the lion of the scars. Wow. And I went, what? The hyenas, the animal instinct, they see the scars. They recognize the fact that if that lion has scars, My goodness. it survived. It fought them yeah. and it survived. It's thriving. And, and it's, and it, so there's, there are things that we go through in the past yeah. that actually serve as a firewall mm. for things that may even come against us in the future. There are things that will not touch you in the future because mm. of what you survived in the past. Oh, that's so so just stand up, thrive. Yeah. 
Don't use what you went through as a crutch. Let's stand up. Levántate en el nombre de Jesús. Stand up and just declare that you are thriving because of what you went through. Yes. Not in spite of. Come on. But you're thriving now. Yeah. There's no longer a lid on uh, your destiny or purpose. You were talking about people that live their whole lives under a lie. You could either live in a lie or live in, with a lie. With a lie. That's And there are people that actually live in a lie. Yeah. You live in a complete lie. Yeah. Constructed by the enemy, deceptive. Yeah. Again, we've talked about this. It's not that he has power. It's you believe he has power. Right. The devil. And, and the devil, the enemy. And you live because Luke 10, 19, Christ gave us power over all the, the powers, over all the powers, not some, over all the powers of the enemy. Mm-hmm. So we, we discussed this. Now, some people live in a lie. Some people are full of truth, yet they live with a lie. And you are what you tolerate. Yeah. Hence, back to Gideon, Judges 6, he builds the altar, but he brings the lie down. Okay. Two altars cannot occupy the same space. You can't have truth and lies occupying the same space. And that's respectfully what Christians are doing now. Mm-hmm. Not all of us, but Christendom in America, but around the world, it seems that there are sectors that are that are complacent or acquiesce, surrender to the notion that it's okay to build, but let's not confront the lies. Wow. Mm. And here's what God is saying, and with great due deference, because I, I do believe, and Sam Rodriguez saying God is saying, led by the Spirit of God with fear and trembling, knowing that there's a fine line between the prophetic and the pathetic. And people use God's name in vain on too many occasions. I get that. So I wouldn't say this if not with 100% certainty, it is coming from the, the womb of the Spirit of God for you. He, and it's real simple. Right now, the Lord is not looking for just people that build exclusively. He's looking for a demolition crew mm. that will rise up in this generation with audacious faith, with truth in love, and bring down every lie. Lies are lids. The lie upon your family, your home, your marriage, your health, your finances, your circumstance, culture, society, government. We have to remove the lies. Let's cut down the altars dedicated to Baal. Let's cut down the Asherah pole. Let's do that in our generation. So my children and your children will step and walk upon the ruins of what we bring down in our generation. Mm -hmm. For the sake of your children and your children's children, do not tolerate the lie. Mm-hmm. We're talking about from survive to yeah. thrive. Sam Rodriguez, thank you for being here today. But <laughs> I just want to say this. The Satan lies when he says we're not going to heaven, uh, when our family will not be saved, uh, when he says God doesn't listen to us, mm-hmm. uh, that we're never going to be happy, we're never going to be holy, we're never going to be healed, uh, and we're never going to see our dreams come mm-hmm. true. This is, I'm reading out of your book here. Um, and then... We, basically, we agree with the lie when we say our child is an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're never going to make it. Uh, COVID is just too big. The business is never going to come back. You know, our dreams are never going to come back. Sickness will be the end of us. So your teaching in this book we have to understand what truth is and speak it back to the lie. Two of the greatest powers we have that are underrated, the power to cry out to God, mm-hmm. referencing my, my, my daughter, mm-hmm. and the power to agree. Mm-hmm. Start with the cry out. Two powers that okay. are totally underrated. The power to cry out 
and the power to agree. Take us in the car when you were crying out. First week of July, COVID hits my family. Um, and I was primarily 97% asymptomatic. But you had it. I had it because yeah. I found out through my antibody test post facto. I okay. even doubted if I had it until I took the test. Okay. Weeks later, uh, because I was primarily asymptomatic, um, 97% asymptomatic. Uh, my daughter ended up in ICU. In ICU, first time one of my kids ends up in that sort of predicament. My daughter just gave birth to my granddaughter, Camila, Mila. And her immune system was a little bit suppressed because she's gave birth and so forth. She ended up in ICU. And it was serious. The doctor spoke to me and yeah, she's not getting better the initial days. She's 29. So I did my due diligence. I'm privy. I'm, I was part of the National Coronavirus Recovery Commission. Uh, so I, I had in, you know, inside information and I'm like, someone young, millennial, that's not, that's an anomaly, right? Mm. And again, her immune system was, was, it was suppressed. I'm in my Jeep Rubicon, top off California, summer day, July, by myself in the car. I lost it. Sam Rodriguez lost it. <laughs> lost it. I'm a dad. So I broke. I don't break. I don't. I mean, I broke once when the Yankees lost in 2001 to the Diamondbacks. Mariano Rivera, that pitch, that was Luis Gonzalez. That was terrible. It was right there. It was a little roller. It was yeah, a roller. Yeah, you could have hit that one. It was a roller, right? <laughs> that right there broke me. Like, other than that, I just don't break. I'm just wow. being honest. And I lost it and I cried out. I literally said this, God, I don't doubt you ever. I've seen too much of you. I know intellectually, cognitively, spiritually, my encounter with God is of such magnitude. I could never doubt him. Not even for one iota, not for one moment. Can't doubt God. And, but I went, I just don't know what to do next. Spirit of God takes me subsequently to Second Chronicles 2012. Jehoshaphat is surrounded by the enemies of Israel. And what does he say? I have no idea what to do next. The, before the battle is mindset of the Lord in Second Chronicles 2015, there is a cry out, I have no idea what to do next. Wow. Here's what I felt in my Rubicon Jeep Wrangler right there. God, I have no idea what to do next. My baby is in ICU and things are getting worse. She's the mom of three kids, including a newborn who she was breastfeeding. She can't even, things are bad. The whole, the, everything is just terrible right now for the baby, for her. We can't see her, can't even see her. And I'm, and I'm losing it. I felt an angry God show up in my Jeep Wrangler. Wow. Not at me, but alongside me. My goodness. Like I felt God share my anger and my angst <laughs> who came into that vehicle, so help me. And again, I'm a faith and science guy. So I, even though I preach like Kirk, I think like Spock. <laughs> so it, it, I, I process everything to make sure it's not me. I felt the spirit of the living God invade that Jeep. And I felt God just go like Sam, I'm angry with you, not with you, but alongside you. Wow. Because that's my daughter too. And I just felt God said, I got this. You cried out your power to cry out, just to cry out. The psalmist said, I cried out and he heard my cry. It's Christ on the cross. Yeah. Abba, Abba, Lama Sabakani. It's crying out. It's just, some of the most powerful encounters with heaven is not when we're perfect. Wow. It's when we're broken. Wow. It's when we cry out. So I cried out, Lord, I don't know what to do next. And all of a sudden the following words came out of my mouth. I felt the peace of God, the angry God, not with me alongside me at the same, like God coming in agreement with my anger. He came in agreement with my anger, 
my righteous indignation. And all of a sudden, I hear the Spirit of God say, just pray this through. Release it with your mouth. Come in agreement. Wow. What we, what, how we cry out and what we come in agreement with. Truth or a lie. Mm-hmm. I could have right there been drinking the Kool-Aid of the circumstance, but I didn't. Wow. And I said, right now, give me a sign and a wonder. I come in agreement that your angels will fill her room. And I said, angels, fill her room. My daughter texts me. I never text my daughter. She was in ICU about angels filling a room. My daughter texts me, dad, it's not the meds, <laughs> comma. I just felt the angels, angels just filled my room. My goodness. I lost it. In 24 hours, her condition completely changed. She came out of ICU 24 hours after that, she came out. All because I came in agreement with heaven regarding my daughter's circumstance at that very moment. Because I didn't embrace the lie. Mm. The COVID circumstantial lie. And I embraced the truth of God. It's not to say that people have lost loved ones with COVID. We understand that. And it's not that they drank a lie, no. But in my reality, that's my narrative and my story. Mm And then she got into the vehicle, we picked her up, and then my crazy daughter looks at us and says, it's not the meds, drive me to a lake. We're thinking she wants to look at a lake now. Again, her breathing is not pristine. She's out of the hospital, but she has to recover. She comes out of the hospital, we go into the car, the entire family's with her. We go to a lake, she gets off the car. She goes, again, I'm not crazy, trust me here. She walks to the lake, touches the water, dives in, and swims, and comes right back out and says, I'm alive. I'm alive. What a powerful story of a young lady who looked at me and said, I'm not just going to do this. I'm mm-hmm. not going to survive. Wow. God did not rescue me, <laughs> save me, deliver me and heal me for Yvonne Alaman Rodriguez to just survive. Mm-hmm. From now on, there's no lid. I'm thriving. Mm-hmm. And that story compelled me to write this book on a young lady who survived the thrive. Mm, that so beautiful. That was such a good point that I've completely forgotten what the <laughs> other point is. You said there the was agreement. two things. Yeah. Because you read so to cry out and you come to in agreement. You reference how in the lies people come in agreement of a lie. Okay. My my child is a drug addict. Keep on declaring that. Why don't you? That's how you're affirming. You're coming in agreement with a a. If you declare your child is a drug addict, period. In perpetuity, that period at the end of that declaration, you just affirm a lie. That's what the enemy would love you to. Oh, Sam Rodriguez, you're just positive confession. You're in denial, blah, blah, blah. No, the words that come out of your mouth matter. Yeah. So you can say legitimately, my son is confronting a spirit of drug addiction. He's fighting off drug addiction, but God. But I am believing God already set him free and he will walk in the freedom that comes through Christ. That's a different declaration. For you to say your kid is a drug addict, period, you're buying into a lie. Don't come in agreement with a lie regarding your marriage, your health, your circumstances, whatever it may be, speak truth and bring down the lie. Lori and I have throughout the years said things like this, Samuel, regardless of the circumstance, maybe her glands are swollen. Maybe she, you know, whatever the situation is, Lord, thank you 
that our bodies are lining up with the perfection of what you paid for at the cross. 100% in alignment with 1 Peter 2.24, by the stripes of Christ, not we will be, we are already healed. Yeah. Again, it's not just positive rhetorical confession, it's the Word of God. Right. It's, it's the declaration of the Word of God, coming in agreement, crying out and coming in agreement. Cry out to God, come in agreement of His Word, His promises, His Word, His will, and His Spirit. Mm. Come in agreement with what comes from heaven, not your circumstance. My wife uh, fights off, fights off. Notice, I am not saying she owns it or she has it. She fight, I, I refuse to claim ownership over something that shouldn't be in her body. Right. Right. So she's fighting off a certain ailment. It's not life-threatening, but it's a pain. Mm. <laughs> and it is a pain. And she gets exhausted on a while. Y'all, some you already know what I'm talking about. And but so the wording that we use at home is, it's you know we, almost verbatim. We come in agreement with the promises of God pertaining to her health. Yeah. And, and we're going to live with that truth. I am not Allow gonna... our circumstances to line up with the perfection of who and what you are. The angel of the Lord shows up and looks yeah. at a man who's hiding because of fear and calls him a mighty hero. Yeah. Did he lie? No. Did the angel of the Lord lie? Gideon, you're a rock star. <laughs> the guy's hiding, threshing wheat in a wine press. Did he lie? Did heaven lie? No. It's the declaration, it's, it's identity clarification. Let me tell you who you really are in spite of your circumstances. Let me give you a revelation. And God has declared that over every single mm. one of us. Without exception. Yeah. You're not defined by your circumstance, you're defined by His covenant. Yeah. You're not defined by your failures, you're defined by His forgiveness. You're not defined by the hell you're going through, you're defined by the heaven you're going to. Yes. And all the religious folk, get over yourself. <laughs> You're not defined by what you do for God. You're defined by what God already did for you. Yes. You know, this crying out, I know that so many people have cried out. I sat with, with one of my uncles, my Uncle Jimmy, the other night, and he had had such a revelation of crying out. And he said, sometimes I, I didn't think God could hear me. And I think I've heard so many times it feels like heaven's just brass right mm. now. You know, but my uncle said to me, he looked at me, he said, if you call me and you need me, he said, I'm on my way. I'm coming. I'm coming. I heard you. Wow. And he said, you don't have to call me again because I'm coming. You don't have to say, Uncle Jimmy, are you coming? I've called, you know, I've called you. Are you you don't ever have to call me again. I'm coming. And he had such a revelation of that, that if, and the Bible says that if you call on me, I will answer you. And if you've cried out, you've come into agreement. I love that because I know a lot of us have cried out and we have got to believe God that when we call, he's going to answer us. Lord, I just feel the spirit of God. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Right now, just saying, He's coming your way. He's coming your way. He's coming your yes, way. He he's coming your way. Yes, He is. Open up your mouth right now where you're at. Just open up your mouth. From, I don't care if you're in the wine press of life, the threshing floor, the pit, the desert. He's coming your way. Yes, He is. I just hear the Spirit of God saying, I'm coming your way. Cry out to me. Just cry out right now. Just cry out. Thank Go, God, you, I just you, can't. And it's okay way. not to be okay. You. you could actually say, I don't know what to do next. Mm -hmm. I was there. Jehoshaphat was there. I don't know what to do next. He's coming your way. I just hear the Lord say, I'm coming your way. I'm coming your way. 
Thank you, Lord. I'm coming your way. I'm invading your space. I'm invading your life. I'm coming your way. I'm coming your way. I want you to hear me, just like Gideon in this book outlines. When he comes your way, he's going to put things in order. Yes. And when he places things in order, you will overcome. Order enables you to overcome. You can't overcome out of anarchy and chaos. When you overcome, then you occupy the very area hell has fought to keep you out of. Let me repeat that. <laughs> order, overcome. You're about to occupy the very area hell has fought to keep you out of. Then you will experience overflow. Mm. When you don't mind if your detractors <laughs> and enemies are blessed with your blessing, and then you will operate out of that overflow. That's the chronological order of Judges six and seven. It's the same outline for you. It's surviving to thrive. He's coming your way. The Lord is coming your way. Yes, He's coming Jesus. your way to rescue you to turn you around, to place things in order, in alignment with His, her, his word, His will, and His way. But the word of the Lord right now is for you is, I'm coming your way. Thank you, Lord. From survive to thrive, live a holy, healed, happy, healthy, humble, hungry, honoring life. You can say it faster than I can, but I'm getting there. Um, you, a uh, little earlier in the broadcast, we were discussing this point that maybe one of the reasons Gideon is this man of valor mm -hmm. is he was willing to build an altar, and a lot of people do that, but he was also willing to tear some altars down yeah. that were wrong. You know, the, the, one of the one of the altars that sometimes it feels like, you know, is inside the body of Christ is this idea that you're supposed to, by your words, complete the work of the cross. And, and your prayers are supposed to basically create something. All prayer does is appropriate, totally. by faith, the finished work. And sometimes you're, you have to make this choice, whether you're praying for victory or you're praying from victory. You have to pray if from. you're praying for victory, then, you're then, out of alignment. then 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 maybe what you're doing um, is idolatry. It might be. It, and it it might be, and that that's actually substantiated. You're placing a lid. Again, you, you and then you could argue, but does God listen to my crazy, unorthodox, deviated prayer? <laughs> I mean, he's merciful. Thank God for grace. Thank you, Jesus. Yes. Uh, but if you really want to thrive, then you don't pray for, you pray from. Jesus said, all power has been given unto all, me in all, heaven and all, earth. Okay. Which means the enemy. Which means the enemy has no power. That means basically for bad things to happen, you have to believe a lie and act upon a lie. So sometimes if you're praying this prayer and, and binding something, assuming it has power, is that not what they did in the Old Testament when they piled up rocks, called it Molech, and then sacrificed children on it? See? So yeah. the idea that you're ascribing power to anything other than Jesus is in this generation idolatry. That might be one of the things we need to tear down. We, we have to tear down the notion of 100% everything is spiritual warfare. And, and, and th there are these amazing principalities and powers of darkness that somehow have authority or power over us. It's a deceptive 
construct from the pit of hell. It's a lie. Yeah. Right. But it's it's us drinking the Kool-Aid. Sound theology would teach us that it's both the sovereignty of God or the reality of warfare, but not the spiritual warfare element where the enemy has power. Mm-hmm. Is where the enemy has constructed a lie for the purpose of us drinking the Kool-Aid. I heard a definition of the principality is a lie believed by a lot of people. Yes. Like communism was but, basically but a principality. He, but he's described as the father of lies. Of lies. That's the quintessential descriptor. Right. You know what I like? I, I even learned in, in this journey from Survive to Thrive of not just speaking to God about my, my circumstance or problem, but speaking to the lie about my God. Mm. So instead of that lie has power over me, I just confront the lie with truth. So I just don't look at the truth and talk about the lie. Mm-hmm. I look at the lie. So in other words, I speak... It's going to sound crazy. COVID, it's a pandemic. It's a virus. So don't just speak to God about COVID. Speak to COVID about God. It sounds weird, but just flip the script a little bit. Well, Jesus, Jesus did that in the wilderness. Yes. So just, Satan. It is written. Satan spoke lies to him, and Jesus Came just back. said it is written. It is written. Jesus modeled warfare. He spoke truth to lies. But it's warfare with the understanding that the enemy is powerless over your life. And the power, someone even says, well, you grant power, you know, you grant power to the enemy. Really? <laughs> okay. Show me that scripture. I just want to know what power of attorney document did you sign off? And, and, and what power of attorney can, do you actually have authority to sign off that bypasses the blood of Jesus? Like if you have more authority than the atonement of Christ, like we exaggerate ourselves, right? Like we had to get but over ourselves. But here's part of the way to answer it. Jesus said, you'll know the truth and the, and the truth, truth shall will make set you free. You. That's why people are bound. Because you don't know the truth That's and right. you aren't set free. Absolutely. Okay. But it's our job not just to build these amazing altars. It's our job to tear down, to deconstruct what was created. One little final point on that. Gideon brought down the fake, the lie. It was a lie. He brought down the lie that was constructed by whom? His father, Joash. Talking about like serious family issues. His father, Joash. Verse 29, Judges 6, 29. When the mob arrives next morning, early the next morning, who did this? I am praying that that will be the great query that will come out of this generation. That culture and society will ask, who did this? Who brought down the lie? Who brought down the lie? Be it gender, be it this racial perpetual angst and discord. Be it the, even the church lies that limit our worldview and our growth in Christ. Who did this? And let them say, let the Gideons rise up and go like, yes. by the glory and for the glory of Christ, we did. Yes. Who did this? When they asked, bring him out here, we're going to kill him. Guess who stood up and defended him? <laughs> Joash. Joash shows up and says, my son did this and you're not going to kill him. He could have, but he did it. He repented. In other words, I screwed up. And this is what he said, Baal's, Baal's fake. Because when my son tore down that altar, the fact that Baal didn't manifest his presence and did nothing is indicative of the fact that we were serving a false god. He repented. You, you want people to repent? Confront the lie. Yeah. Let's tear this one down. So Most of the classic spiritual warfare teaching is idolatry. It is. It is idolatry, and it puts a lot of investment in my ability. And, and Sam Rodriguez's Instead power to do it something. all to Jesus. It's the cross. He yeah. took everything. I love the Apostle Paul's writing. He took absolutely every vestige of darkness, every power of the enemy, 
defeating it all, he writes, all of it, annihilating it. The Greek exegetist, he annihilated <laughs> the power, every power the enemy had, he annihilated it in perpetuity on the cross. He even took captivity captive. What a wild descriptor, right? right? So Sam Rodriguez somehow thinks that through my activities and my rituals and my interactions, that somehow you're I have more power than what Christ did on the cross. Or you're completing the work of the cross. But it's yeah. already completed. Yeah. What do you think? It is finished, man. Yeah. The latte, <laughs> it is finished. You've crossed the six foot barrier. You need to back Sorry. up again. Yeah. Sorry, CDC. Uh, look, Sam, come back uh, from survive to oh, thrive. We'll see you next That's time. like the appetite. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of TBN's Praise Podcast. If you enjoyed today's interview, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, share it with a friend, and consider leaving a review. We look forward to having you join us back here next week.